On Monday the 17th of May 2021, the Bath Festival Orchestra opened the Bath Festival with a concert of music by Brahms, Strauss, Mahler and Weber. I visited on the day, the day that Stage 3 of lockdown restrictions were eased in England to listen to rehearsals in Bath Abbey and talk to leader and artistic creator Marin Bosma and conductor Peter Manning. This was a monumental day. Travelling from London to Bath from one side of England to the other is far from a big deal on paper, but in all truth it did rather feel like a pilgrimage, perhaps even a trek across a world that still, following months of comparative isolation, demanded me to negotiate with it to assert my position in it. It was something reminiscent of the first day at school. The rehearsals, as it turned out, were almost every day in their familiarity. It was only really at 7pm when the audience took their distant seats and sat in silence that the specialness of the event suddenly dawned on me. The customary hubbub from this concert experience was missing. This was what it felt like to be with human beings. Out of the warm, enveloping, mushy acoustic of Bath Abbey came clarity, signalled by the musical question and answer Weber had scored in the music. Clear statements demanding attention. There was a resolute sense that music had returned and that its message reverberating around the interior of Bath Abbey, should be listened to carefully. The newly relaunched Bath Festival Orchestra, the original was set up by Yehudi Menuhin in 1959, has a strong social purpose, as you'll hear from both Marin and Peter in this podcast. They shared their thoughts on why its education and outreach programme Orchestrate is so important to commit to now. Now might seem like a foolhardy time to launch an orchestra. Maybe not. What is absolutely right, however, is to capitalise on this moment, to reflect not on how wonderful it is that I and others like me get to reconnect with a lifelong friend, but to commit to prioritising making this music available to as many people as possible from this moment on. and the means to be a part of the classical music world without feeling like they're entering a niche or a bubble or something. Basically, we want to break down those walls between the classical music world and people who love classical music or 
for whatever sort of elitist reason and make it accessible for everyone and show the world that it's like any other music. Everyone should be able to be a part of it without feeling like they don't belong or like they're not appreciating it correctly or... I think performing artists have had to consider their role in live activity and what really the performing arts is needed to do because I think we've had about 14 months or more to consider really how we associate in spaces and outside of spaces too. So, you know, events inside theatre, inside uh, spaces, inside spaces, events, live events, whether it's in the theatre world, any part of the theatre world, including music. Um, and then the, the idea of how do we associate outside, for example, all the live events that happen outside, sort of Glastonbury situation or outdoor opera or outdoor drama or outdoor anything, even that's been called into question. So, yes, we're grateful. I'm grateful. I'm very grateful for this. But it's also made me think about the role of the arts at the moment and the role of music and the role of fine music, the role of education in music. The, the role of the next generation, because we've had time to think about the next generation in this 40-month period, probably more than we've ever had to before. My experience of the first lockdown, when everything started, so I think that was March 2020, um, at that point, I'd, I'd just finished my master's, and I was actually very, very overworked at that point. Um, and so for me, when when the world just kind of got put on hold... At that point, actually, for me, that was a good thing because I really needed to put my own life on hold because I was not in a very good way. And um, and actually, those first few months of lockdown were quite a, a, a beneficial thing for me because I really had the chance to kind of sit down, play the violin in a way that didn't have all this pressure and actually think about what I was doing, think about who I was, what I what I was planning to do at that point, because I was just starting my career. Obviously, it got put on hold, but I hadn't really had a chance to think about it yet. So I think a lot of the angst that people experienced during the first wave or during the first lockdown, I only started experiencing that the second time around. So like kind of the sort of Christmas is, Christmas is cancelled phase. Uh, that's when I started getting um, antsy and um, started realizing, okay, I'm ready to I'm ready to go. I'm ready to do things, and um, and then everything was still on hold. And at that point, it became it became frustrating because we didn't know. Well, we still don't. We don't know how long this is going to take. I mean, things are things are opening up, thankfully, but. Um, I think it was the second time around that it was that it was difficult for me to navigate those feelings of like having something to share, having something to 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 show the world, and then not being able to, and then not being able to do it in a way that is satisfying for you. So widening access into social areas which wouldn't necessarily have the arts available to it, that's what I'm very much interested in. I often end up wondering what it is that somebody like me has to do differently. The 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 thing that drew me to classical music was the was the ritual, was the interior of the concert hall, was this sort of world that demanded I felt demanded curiosity. Uh, you know, respond you if you if you approach the concert hall with a sense of curiosity and a sense of wonder, you don't need any knowledge. Mm-hmm. You don't need any knowledge at all. All you need to be able to do is to listen 
and to listen to yourself in the process of listening and 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 that seems so so obvious to say because it's so second nature to me mm-hmm. that i often tie myself up in knots wondering whether people like me and the things that I say are part of the problem that you're trying to change. No, I don't think it's part of the problem, but I do think that, well, for someone like you, it's second nature to walk into a concert hall with a sense of wonder and curiosity and with an open mind, feeling like you can be a part of this. Mm. Um, But first of all, I think that goes for people with certain personalities and not for people with other types of personalities. And also I think there's a lot of, uh, there are a lot of people who don't even get the opportunity to go into a concert hall and have that sense of wonder because, because it, there's such a sense of exclusivity to it. It's, it's a very sort of double side, yeah, two-sided thing because. It's almost on- like I don't see it. Because it's so familiar. Exactly, exactly. It's like you're you're on the well yeah. the right side. I'm in the of choir. Yeah. I'm in the choir. Yeah. Yeah, right. <laughs> you're in the circle. Yeah. But for for someone who has never experienced that, or who has never even gotten the opportunity to to be a part of it in whatever way, it can be very intimidating, especially if if even musically there's a sense of like, ooh, this is very complicated music. You won't understand. You know, well, and um, and actually, I, I, I've experienced this the other way around. So, like, for example, um, the other day I went to uh, a jam session that some of my friends um, had. They have, like, a sort of post-punk rock band, and I have an electric violin. And they were like, oh, you should come along to a rehearsal and just do some impro and, like, you know, record some sounds. It'll be cool. And I had been freaking out about it the entire day. I was like, oh, my God, I'm going to go to this rehearsal. What if, I, what if I don't do well? I don't know how to improvise. I'm not at home and post-punk rock. That's not my thing. Like, well, how, what, if, what, if they, you know, what if I get found out? What if they see that I'm, like, just a boring classical musician who doesn't? And I, I almost kind of, I can imagine that the other way around, people feel like that about the classical music world. The same way I felt like, "Ooh, this is not my world. Do I deserve to be a part of it? Is it is it all right? Will so, I do but it doesn't, well?" But doesn't that then suggest that it's not necessarily solely to do with classical music, but actually the way in which we classify music as a whole? Because you're talking about a different genre, mm-hmm. where where you went to join a group in that genre and you felt uh, a sense of imposter syndrome. You know, you experienced Mm -hmm. imposter syndrome in that group. Um, Isn't that to do with the tribal element around music? Yes. I'm not trying to trick you, by the way. Suddenly, I was like, oh, hang on. You know, it's good. Um, Possibly, but I still think it's still to do with the classical music world because actually that sense didn't come from them. Because I told them I was quite, I was like, I was like, oh, you know, what if I don't do well? And they were like, don't do well. (laughs) No one's gonna hear. It doesn't. We're just gonna like put some distortion, make some sounds. It's not a big deal. And and it's they're very open. And I think actually I see this a lot. People just, I mean, even I have a younger brother who who uh, uh, plays blues rock. He's a guitar player, and he he can't imagine this, or he can because he's my brother, so he's seen it through me. But but in his sort of scene, there's there's there isn't really this sense of like 
you have to be at home in this you have to know something about it to be a part of it it's just you just show up and have some fun with it and be creative and 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 come up with new things and and i think that's a much more natural way of approaching music and i think actually the only reason that i felt that way about them was because i'm used to feeling that way in my own world and um I think that says a lot about how classical music uh, is structured in society. And I think we still have a long way to go in that sense. The challenge is in, in this next generation. Um, this is not even Generation Z, it's Generation Alpha. And, you know, the children who are at seven and eight and nine are the people who will have to understand what the sort of cultural uh, reality of their lives might be constituted what what might constitute that uh, makeup so the challenge really is to find um, the best possible teaching activity which allows the younger generation of particularly of performing artists uh, that might be into the future get the access to it getting access is not easy it's not easy to be a first generation musician if you're say you're uh, support group around you uh, knows little about music or the arts and I think it's not a question of lowering the bar but it's more about giving opportunity so um, I have a clear idea and it's pr possibly based on aspects of the positive and positivism of my early education in Manchester when there were such things as youth orchestras there were such things as support from the local level local level support proper local level support uh, connected up organic connected up support so of course we live in the 21st century we live in the post-covid world we've got to be real about that but we don't want to sort of discard the idea that there are wonderfully positively minded people out there who want to see the arts and the flourishing of UK's cultural, not only its legacy, but actually its future. So we've started this educational program. Um, we're doing a pilot at the moment at the Bobby Moore Academy in Stratford, London, um, which is uh, called Orchestrate. And it's basically just a sort of participation program where uh, we, a few, me and me and two other musicians from the orchestra, go there every week uh, to lead some sessions with a school orchestra, and we're learning an arrangement of a sports medley, and then there's going to be a big concert for the for the parents and everyone involved, and the, these are these are kids who don't necessarily have very easy access to classical music and to music lessons um, and the director of the school who has has been really amazing about setting this whole thing up with us and that is the kind of thing that we want to be doing in a more widespread sense so we want to do this program with more schools I'd personally really like to set up some kind of summer academy summer school um, for kids who want to play not just during term time but just any any time so is this a is it uh, a regular um engagement or is it like a did you say it was a, it was a weekend or a, or a, or a, uh, a series of lessons this is a this is a series of sessions weekly sessions so i would say it's regular um but it is sort of in in bigger projects so this is a 12 week 
project tra- trajectory, I guess. Um, and then there will be sort of a, a, a final result, which is the concert. And then we start again or do another piece with them or we're um, working out how to move 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 on from this and make it grow and sort of how do you how do you see them change in the process of doing that the kids mm. uh, there's so many ways it's it's really satisfying to watch they're they're really keen but some of them some of them actually i think i can see that sort of am i doing it right can i can i do this is this something that i could get into um and then the more you work with them, the more you can see it click. Like, yeah, I'm actually having fun with this. This is what I want to do after school. You know, I want to play the violin or the cello or the bass or whatever. Um, so I can see these kids getting more comfortable playing music together and um, appreciating the progress that they're making and being a part of something musical that's bigger than just their, their own lesson, individual lesson each week. So. How do you how do you respond to that? Am I doing it right? Thing that you sort of perceive in them. How how do you respond internally, or or what do you say to them? Um, personally, I try to make sure that they realize that what they all they have to do is give it their best and and have fun with it, and it's not about like for example. Um, Basically, the, the the sessions are structured in that first we have sort of sectional rehearsals. So I go off with the strings and then there's the wind players and the brass players and they all have separate rehearsals. And then the, the whole orchestra comes together and rehearses together. And um, last week when I was there uh, at the end of my session with the strings, one of the violinists came up to me. She's very keen. It's really cute. And she really, really wants to do well. And she came up to me. She said, I'm not sure about this bit. Um, if I stop playing, just just know that I'll practice it at home. And I just said, you don't you don't have to worry about that. Just have fun. Like, I'll play along with you guys. And just... What do you think is going on there, though? I mean, I think it's I think it's just... I don't think there's much going on besides them just really wanting to do well and and. But do are you not overlooking something? That that interaction is that desire to say, I'm going to practice it. You know, yeah. is a is a is because that individual has been inspired. I hope so. <laughs> I hope so, and I don't I don't do it in a way um, to to tell them that they don't have to practice or don't have no, to no, do course, well but no. but of course in in a moment like that when you're all playing together the most important thing is that they go home with a sense that they've achieved something that day that they've learned something and not that they weren't good enough today i would say the fact that they're all doing it together they're all learning the same thing together and that kid is playing in a group seeing everyone having their own little struggles or little successes within such a session um and then thinking okay i want to i want to do this really well i want to be a part of this group and keep up it's it's a sense of wanting to keep up with everyone as well and that sort of sense of togetherness i think is really valuable in music which is another reason that i think playing together in orchestras is really really important for kids uh that age these are these are all sort of 10, 11, 12, 13-year-olds. Um, and at that age, I played in an orchestra, and that is the reason that I ended up in music. I remember really 
distinctly when I decided this is what I want to do. It was in an orchestra rehearsal. I was like, this is this is it. This is what I want to do. Play play with people together and have a sense of sharing and togetherness. And I think the fact that these kids are experiencing that at such a young age is is a really good incentive to, for them to go and practice their instrument and, and go on with it. And that's what we are hoping to do with the orchestra, to motivate kids to be a part of the music world for, well, for as long as possible and make them feel welcome, make everyone feel welcome, really. Is this filling a, filling a gap? Is outreach work filling a gap? I think any type of outreach work is filling a gap. Absolutely. Um, it certainly is filling a gap in terms of professional orchestras and professional musicians um, making a conscious effort to bring this out to schools and to young children, especially in neighborhoods and uh, sort of, I don't know, any any kind of environment where kids are not inclined to take music lessons or might not have the means or the instruments or the background or those those are the places where we need to go and take the initiative and do this kind of thing and that I don't think that gap can ever really be filled but I think we can definitely make an effort to fill part of it there's nobody banging the drum in government there's nobody banging the drum for for the thing that that you're banging the drum for and surely that is necessary in order for those education environments to to see the value of this well, I think I'd rather take the analogy into harmonising with what's available, working with what's there. Um, and if you talk about, you know, how do you create this form of harmony? Yes, there have to be very serious structural ideas about, OK, so, you know, to take an example, there's always a debate about where you will give concerts, which has given rise to all these huge outdoor events around the UK and England, everywhere, uh, over the last 20, 30 years. So there's a huge appetite for people wanting to associate and to go to different ex- to experience differences in their lives. So those mixtures between commercially successful things, which have to be seen to be commercial, because in fact it's the only way they can work to make sure they can get frogs off the big bands at Glastonbury. You know, they, you know, this is an important. Uh, they come with a price tag, of course they do, and they have to be supported. But they also give a lot back to their audience, and the audience works with them to develop a, this extraordinary event, wherever that might be, which really motivates people hugely and positively in their lives. A really big challenge for anyone my age in my sort of phase of career. It's a big challenge to do this kind of thing and go to the effort to give something to the next generation and make sure they're, you know, they're doing something, you're doing something to include them in the process and, and, and give something for them to give back to their next generation. Um, it's difficult to do that and to keep up with your own career at the same time. And I think for me, the challenge is to make sure that I stay in a position where I'm able to do these things and make sure that I keep playing, keep working with this orchestra, um, give opportunities to other people my age as well to do these things with me. Um, So I think it's finding that balance between keeping yourself on top of everything and keeping yourself in a position that you're uh, stable in your career and able to develop yourself 
and then um, going to the effort to give that to the next generation. What would you say to musicians who are considering applying for music college this year? I think, um, well, we, we, we really need some keen people who are going to do these things. Um, so I would say go for it. There's nothing to lose. And when you do get into music college, don't be afraid of choosing your own path and really just doing what you want to do and following your own because it's very it's it's very easy in music college to kind of fall into this um um yeah I don't know how to say sorry I know I'm being a little bit like rambly but it's very easy when you go to music college to fall into this pattern of just doing what everyone else is doing and trying to do it better because otherwise you won't get good grades or whatever um but actually the most satisfying thing is to go to music college and then use all the all the the resources that you get from there to choose your own thing that you want to do and i think anyone who's going to music college now especially now after all of this crisis just choose what you want to do and do that with conviction because there's enough people doing the same things do a different thing your own thing and then give something back to the next generation and make sure that everyone enjoys what you're doing. You know, give something, give something to other people, basically. That's what music's all about, right? It's about sharing and about adding something to people's lives and them adding something to your life by sharing a nice experience. Anything you can do that does that is great. So I would say that's enough reason to go into music college and pursue it.